0: How do we get so many days on snow? We are snow fiends. So we do whatever needs to be done to get on that snow. We've done, and continue to do some pretty nail-ish things for our fix. We bring to you, Working for that snow.
1: Does this mean we finally know how to zoom?
0: I wish I
2: drank tequila. I'm gonna dip and go ski if my sister says we're going to Mammoth. I'm gonna go to Mammoth. <laughs>
1: Yeah, so we're going to call this episode V-Bags, right? <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah I, I love that. Okay, starting now. What's good? This podcast is brought to you by the Elevated Locals Media Company Lifestyle brand. At Elevated Locals, you can find snow stories, which are snow adventures featuring snow locals and snow destinations. You can find collections of art and their creators discovered along our travels and product collabs we make with these artists. Yeah. And when the world is ready to high five again, you will find us throwing events like fundraisers, shred days, and art shows. So, uh, have you meet everybody? This is Pizza. Dun, da, da, da. That's Yuri. Hi,
1: nice hair. Hi, guys.
3: <laughs>
0: Where did you donate your hair to?
3: Um, It's a small group. um, Actually, out of New York City called Hair We Share. This is the sixth time that I've donated. Um, And I wanted to, a couple years ago, I wanted to change it up from Locks of Love. Nothing against them. But um, this group um, donates to lots of different cases, like burn victims, um, alopecia cases. um, So other than just cancer survivors so
1: do you send the hair like i'm so curious about that or do you physically bring the hair to a location and say hey you here's mail my it. Hair.
3: um so you have to follow some pretty specific instructions about like how you can't braid it you can't like put a bunch of hair ties in it um so yeah and then you mail your hair away it's a kind of a weird well. thing to mail <laughs>
0: Did they make you test it like for anything or no? So the
3: only parameters is that it can't be dyed. So I've never dyed my hair in my life until today because I decided that this was my last donation. So I put a little blonde in my hair. and
0: Yeah. And underneath too. Yeah.
3: Yeah. <laughs> So punk. <laughs> and they were being so nice. And then all of a sudden I was like, oh my god, uh, you went a half hour past uh when I had to leave. fuck
0: <laughs>
3: So I'm oh, so sorry. You guys.
0: Knew. Yes, no, no worries, no worries. Cool. So let's let's just get into it. Cool beats. Uh, how do I say your last name properly?
3: Hovey. Lovey Hovey. dovey
0: hubby. Lovey okay. dovey hubby. <laughs> okay. So today we have Marsha, lovey-dovey hubby, uh, on Working for the Snow. She is... (laughs) What's up? Who's that?
3: There's like cats and dogs flying around because I've been gone all day.
0: (laughs) Cool. (laughs) So she's the head of marketing for Trollhagen. Um, but she's also done a million other things and um, is a huge doer of things. I feel like if you see that something needs to be done, that you just go ahead and take it over, which we really, really commend. Uh, but also, would you like to introduce yourself a little bit?
3: Yeah. Um, my name is Marcia Hovey. Um, I grew up outside of New York City, um, went to college in Colorado, lived on Mount Hood for many years. Um traveled in and out of America quite a bit and yeah have like you said I guess racked up a good amount of random stuff in the last few years as a 33 year old kid so yeah (laughs) 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 when
2: when we were listening when I was listening to the pre-pod and like hearing all the things you had done I was like she sounds young but all that she's done makes her sound old but like I don't think she's old like I had no age and, and 33 like is so young for
0: like everything you've done I'm like so oh nice.
3: thank you <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah it's pretty wild and and where are you right now I just drove like a crazy person back from Minneapolis I live in
3: Osceola Wisconsin which is right on the border um of Minnesota and Wisconsin um so we are about six minutes from Trollhagen right here in Osceola Short commute. (laughs)
0: Uh, Have you ever had to not, like, have you ever not been able to drive to Trollhagen because of the snow? And what did you do?
3: Yeah, there was a pretty um, amazing local viral video last year um, where we got freezing rain. And then it was like negative 10 because that's how the Midwest do. Um, (laughs) And the plow truck um, lost control and just hit like seven cars on the main street and that day nobody drove anywhere it was uh there was viral videos all over the place of people ice skating down highways and stuff so that was the one day i could not make it to troll
2: (laughs) scary
1: how would you define midwest snow
3: midwest it i ain't from here um and it is a very special place out here um midwest snow is pretty much 98 percent man-made um and They thrive off of rope toes um, and urban settings and making the best of what you got. It is a breeding ground of robotic, amazing, superhuman snowboarders and skiers.
1: Awesome. Yeah. I I mean, you're coming from New York City. So I feel like there's part of that transition that makes sense. Um, Like, actually, I'm kind of curious, like, is what is the overall feel of the Midwest for you? Like, especially coming from New York City.
3: Yeah, I... thought that New Yorkers had an intense pride in where they're from, but they got nothing on people from Minnesota and Wisconsin. I swear to God, it is like, um, maybe we'll go live somewhere else for like a year, but like, no, we will die in Minnesota and Wisconsin. Like we are Midwest for life. (laughs) Um, I think that's why it's such an endearing place. Like you have all these amazing snowboarders that you know, you would think would maybe move elsewhere, maybe move to Salt Lake or um, Portland or Seattle. And they're like, no, like there's nothing like the rope toe scene here. And it is very special. However, sometimes as an East coaster, um, I do run into some communication and emotional differences of the East coast versus the Midwest to put it nicely, you know, we're a little more boisterous and, Competing to talk and shoddying the last slice of pizza, and in the Midwest, very, very different for
1: sure. <laughs> now, now, like I spent some time in the Midwest, uh, Kansas though, uh, not quite over where you are, but like, is barbecue sauce a thing over there? Like, what is trendy in terms of food difference over there? I learned that there was different barbecue sauces within Kansas that I had to educate myself on. Oh. Um, <laughs>
3: No, barbecue sauce is probably too spicy for people from Minnesota, (laughs) and Wisconsin. Um, Ranch is like water. Um, Ranch is like put on everything.
1: Sounds like Um, a (laughs) T-shirt.
3: Yeah. um, Yeah. Spicy foods are not common. Um, You have an area that was um, infiltrated by um, Norwegian, um, Swedish settlers in like the 1800s. Um, very bland in terms of spice. So a lot of people here, like when they have spicy foods are like thrown off because it's not of their historical context.
1: (laughs) Is that how you come up with a name like Trollhagen with just Norwegian Viking type vibes?
3: Oh, yeah. It's like everywhere through and through and through. Um, A lot of the buildings around here have um, these like Swedish barn quilts painted on them. Um, It's a very prevalent thing. A lot of the names of places have Norse uh, inspiration and pretty much every run at Trollhagen has some sort of Norse inspiration. So I think it translates to like small little hill, I think. Don't quote me. (laughs) We can can Google it.
0: I looked it up for like (laughs) 10 minutes and it's like a troll mound. Yes, I yeah, was like, perfect.
3: Yeah. So trolls and gnomes, um, are very, uh, you can find them everywhere. Barn quilts, all that good stuff is very, um, Norwegian.
0: Do you have a troll in your yard? Um, I don't have a troll in my yard. There's an Osceola skate park sign in our yard.
3: <laughs> Score.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, talk about that. What's going on with that?
3: Yeah. So I bought a house in Osceola last May. Um, And have been at Trollhagen now for, this is my third winter. Um, And I was just, when I moved to the Midwest, which was about five years ago, I was kind of blown away by how few quality skate parks there are in the Midwest. Um, It's still kind of a dead zone. You have a lot of like ice rinks that in the summer are converted to skate parks. um, And you have like the quintessential blacktop with prefab. Um, But there's very few concrete skate parks and apparently for many years, there was like a four foot height restriction for skate parks. So Minnesota just kind of like gave up in a way. Um, so I, I was just kind of blown away. You have Trollhagen, you have Highland, you have Elm Creek, you have like these breeding grounds of next level snowboarding and there's no skate parks of quality around. Um, so when I moved to Osceola, I was like, it's a no brainer that there should be a skate park of the same quality right down the road. And then you could have like spring sessions where you go skate and then you go snowboard. And same thing with preseason because the skier opens as early as like mid-October. So I started looking into it and about 10 years ago, um, these eighth graders started a skate park foundation through the local chamber of commerce. And it kind of fizzled Um, over 10 years. They raised like $14,000 and then just kind of died. So I found out about this project and I started asking around if I could take over the project and revitalize it. And I was met with like, you know, some fuzzy faces of like, really? Like you, you want to do that? (laughs) And I was like, hell yeah. So um, they gave me the keys to the project. And since April, I've been um, running that and um, starting up the fundraising again. And we're already at about $26,000. So I feel pretty confident that like, you know, the new momentum is uh, going in the right direction.
0: (laughs) Now, will you, um, like, can you promote that at Trollhagen or their opposite things? Are we going to put it at Trollhagen? Uh, Are you going to promote, like, can you promote that? Like, could you have a fundraiser at Trollhagen or are they? they Totally. We did um,
3: two nights ago. So Eric (laughs) Leon, yeah. um, Eric Leon came. Um, for the second year of his core snowboarding initiative. Um, So core stands for community outreach riding equipment. And he's doing this wonderful thing where he is kind of putting his brands that he rides for to the test to say, like, put your money where your mouth is. Like if you believe in the progression of this sport, like I want to ride for a company that is making products that are attainable, whether it is um, financially, or that they're also building products that are sustainable and not just making a massive, horrible footprint on the ecosystem. So, um, last year we did a fundraiser here and he brought it back this year and he was like, who should be the fundraising recipient this year? And I was like, well, (laughs) I have a great idea. Um, so yeah, two nights ago, um, we had the coronation rail jam, um, raising funds for Asiel skate park. And we raised about $2,000, which was really rad. Yeah. Um, and Slush is going to do a story on that. So kind of bringing some national recognition to our little tiny town and the dreams of our skate park, which is awesome. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> that's so rad.
3: Yeah, Trollhagen is super supportive. Um, they literally just give me the keys and let me run with whatever ideas I have, within reason, you know.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and you have some good ideas. I mean, yeah, skate park. I mean,
3: come on.
0: So um, along the lines of like throwing to parties or events, you just finished Take the Rake, which is how we found you because <laughs> we were just like, the idea is so amazing. And all women's built um, and run Terrain Park, but for everyone, not just for women. Uh, so you came up with the idea at It's Tits it, at Hood. Yeah.
3: So I was invited to speak um, on a panel. Mary Walsh is a great friend um, and she and Barrett Christie had wanted to do some sort of roundtable discussion at its tits for a couple years and then grow it elsewhere. So the pitch sessions um, happened and I was one of the people on stage um, kind of representing resort marketing and how as an up and coming snowboarder, someone who's trying to maybe get into the pro snowboarding realm. Like how could I be a resource and how can you contact resorts and the marketing side of things? So I was up there answering questions and adding to the conversation. And I kind of wanted to steer the conversation in another direction and said, you know, if you do not become a pro snowboarder, or if you decide that maybe that's not the route for you, we still need you in this industry. Um, in 2019, only 14% of managerial roles at ski areas were held by women. Um, so that statistic has just kind of been resonating me, resonating with me for the last few years and kind of trying to rack my brain as to like how we can do more events at ski areas that involve women outside of like the normal contest and camp and like ride day. Um, So I started that conversation and Jess Goucher raised her hand and she was like, yeah, speaking of like, I really want to know what it's going to take to get more women in terrain parks. She's like, you know, I'm just usually the only woman or the token female and just, you know, what what it's going to take to move that forward. And I got home um, in May and just kind of like thought about that conversation more. And it just kind of hit me that, holy shit, there's never been an entirely female Built terrain park from what I could find. Like, there's definitely crews around the country and around the world. Um, but from what I could find, I didn't think there's ever been a female built, designed park, including cat drivers and everything and fabrication. So um, this summer, I just started noodling on the idea and figuring out how the hell I would make it happen. And I brought it to Troll, and he was like, sure, like, if you can figure out how to make it happen, of course we'll support it. Um, and I contacted Laura Rogowski, um, Jess Goucher, and then Chloe Betel kind of heard about it through the grapevine and got in the mix. And I kind of relied on those three to help me craft the group of women. Um, and it was really important to me that there was a mix. I didn't want just like the veterans that have been doing it for 10 years. I wanted there to be some fresh faces in there that were really excited about their place in the industry. And, um, from there we got some really great sponsors on board, um, and it became a reality um, about a month ago. And I think it's safe to say that it created some waves, for sure. And a lot of people started talking about why this has never happened, um, which is the whole point of the event.
0: Yeah. And so the, um, everyone came out a week before or like four days before and started the build.
3: Yeah. So um, Trollhagen is very small. <laughs> so the reason I thought it could be done at Trollhagen is because we don't have like gondolas and peak seven and like meet at this lodge. And like, you know, it's like, it's all right there. You're standing at the bottom and you see the top of the Hill and the feasibility of the project um, just seems extremely possible. So the women arrived on Monday, Tuesday was ride and design day. Um, That night they worked to prep some features. Wednesday was build day. And then Thursday was kind of touch up day. Um, and Valhalla, which is our main terrain park, um, is usually reset every three weeks. So the idea was just to have it be a normal set, um, that would last for three weeks and people could come and go as they please and and ride this park. And oh, by the way, it was entirely built by women.
0: Oh, awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so like logistic wise, um, you know, that like a bunch of more like corporate resorts, They have been cutting down on parks because of insurance. So did you have that raised or was that a concern of the troll? Uh, Did you have to address that?
3: We, um, how do I say this? We do a lot of things as a mom and pop ski area that we know cannot be done at larger resorts. Um, So all of the women um, were gifted um, a stipend um, they were gifted a season pass, um, Shut housing up. and transportation. Yeah. So it was really important to me that all the women involved were compensated for their time. Um, the liability was brought up with them driving our machinery and using the tools in our shop. Um, and our owner asked me, he was like, so do they all know what they're doing? And I said, yeah. And he said, Okay. And, um, so we definitely have some freedoms, um, that I know do not exist, uh, other places, which is why Trollhagen has a name for itself as being creative and, um, you know, kind of pushing the boundaries because we have the flexibility and an owner that believes in us to make things happen as safely as we know how while kind of still pushing the envelope a little bit. Yay. Yeah, we're super lucky. They, they really understand uh, what troll has built and what it stands for. I am filling the shoes of David Sutton, who was marketing director for nine years and really saw what was happening at Trollhagen and brought it to life and brought it to where people have Trollhagen stickers on their boards around the world. Um, And I had big shoes to fill and I really wanted to do him proud. And I feel like Take the Rake is just a continuation of um, what he has made trollhagen to be so
0: what's next for take the rake like will is there um talk of like taking it around like snowboy or
3: so i i guess i did too good of a job with the event (laughs) um so a lot of other skiers have been asking like how do we get this and i'm like oh no this isn't like a company this is like a (laughs) trollhagen branded event um that i you know, built while on the clock at Trollhagen and um, Troll took on all the financials and all the liability. Um, So as of now, I don't know how um, it could leave Trollhagen because it's not an actual LLC. Um, I think the goal is to grow, take the rake at Troll, make it into an even bigger animal that um, sets examples for other skiers to go do exactly the same thing. Like, I don't care if it gets replicated. That's the goal. I hope that people are like, Oh, what can we do? <laughs> because, um, I think that's something that I was a little surprised by as people are like, Oh, how do we get take the rake? And I was like, well, go do something. <laughs> 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 that's kind of the idea is like, ask yourself what you're doing at your ski area to, Push the needle. Like, why don't you have more women on your park crew? Are you recruiting? Um, look at your department. Is it entirely men? Why? Is it not welcoming? Are you not providing tools and outerwear um, for women? I know a lot of the girls on the uh, Take the right crew were like, Yeah, I've gotten stuff from my park crew. And it was a larger, extra large men's jacket. And I got size 10 men's boots because that's all that's ever been available. So, Um, it's really flattering that people want, take the rake to travel. Um, I don't think that was the initial intention. Um, but who knows, maybe five years down the line, it gets bigger, um, and take the rake becomes, you know, a movement. Um, what I hope is to see events like take the rake all over the place and not even, in event, maybe it just becomes more commonplace to have yeah. women on your crew and women in the room when you're designing a park. And oh, this chick is in our park every day. Maybe we should ask her if she's ever been interested in getting in a cat or picking up a rake and kind of just starting those conversations. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Chloe, um, I think she said she's one woman in a department of 48 people. So um, 47 men, one woman. Um, when she was at Sierra Tau, which is not um, uncommon, you know, like that right. we're, we're still battling those ideas that women don't want to do those jobs because they're labor intensive and they require um, physicality, which is an antiquated idea of what women are capable of. So hopefully um, those types of ideas start to fade away.
0: <laughs> yeah, I agree. <laughs> um when you're throwing an event, what's, what do you, like, if you were talking to people that want to do something like what you're doing, what are like two of the best tips you can give, or like two things that are probably the most important that you need to focus on, but people forget.
3: Yeah. I would say, um, walk before you run. Um, a lot of first time events, um, people get really excited and want to do a million different things. And, I think in event planning, it's really important to narrow down the one goal. Um, So for like Take the Rake, the one goal was to build a park by all women. Could we have clinics? Could we have guest speakers? Could we have um, seminars? For sure. Maybe year three or year four. Um, So I would say that's something really important to think about. Like, There's no need to add a million things to your plate right out of the gate. It's more important to like dial in what you're doing and dial in the goal so that you can pitch that story to people. If you can't explain the event in a sentence, then you got to go back to the drawing board and figure it out what it is that you are um, trying to create and um, what people are going to experience from that event. Um, I've been in event planning since college. Um, and I think something that comes with it too is asking a million questions. Like I always have plan A, B, C, and D. Like, I want to ask myself what, what's the worst thing that could happen and plan for it. Um, because over planning and thinking of those scenarios makes you that Swiss army knife. That's just like ready on your toes at all times.
2: Were you worried, um, that there wasn't going to be any snow for the event? Cause you've had it in like
3: November, right? Yeah. Um, we were not worried about snow. Um, we typically open, um, about Halloween time. So the weather in the Midwest starts to, temperatures really start to drop, um, like mid October, like last year, our first snow was October 16th. Um, so the nighttime lows really allow us to start blowing snow. And there's still kind of this misconception that like mother nature can produce better snow, um, which is just not True. (laughs) Um, If you have the right humidity and the right temperatures and the right snow guns, um, you can lay down the perfect snow without the help of the sky. But um, no, I'd say I picked that time of year on purpose. Um, So we typically open Valhalla like first week of November. Um, So to give some buffer there, I wanted it to be kind of, you know, at the end of November, right after Thanksgiving, um, when all eyes are on the Midwest, Um, typically a lot of other skiers are not open at that time. So you have um, pro snowboarders flying in from all over the place to kind of like get their sea legs back before they go hit the streets. So. I I kind of explain it as like CrossFit for snowboarding. Like everyone's like, all right, we're going to go do like four days on the ropes in the Midwest before we go on this film trip. I was like, all right, before we go to Dirksen Derby, we're going to go get like, you know, two hours on the rope to like get dialed in. So with everyone already looking at the Midwest, I really thought it would be a great time for Take the Rake to just draw attention to like, Hey, everyone who loves these train parks, guess what? Ladies, build this
1: one. (laughs) I I love the visual of of CrossFit being a rope toe, or you should probably just name a rope toe CrossFit at some point. Like, that's kind of brilliant. Um, (laughs) It's like, I just can't get the visual out of my head. Um, I guess for those who haven't seen it, like what is your favorite feature that was at that setup?
3: Um, I think the staple over um, the snow feature that was kind of, it was Chloe's dream idea, and then Emily O'Connor also had that in there, and a lot of people wanted um, the snow feature. And then the stable came into the mix. Um, at and at first, I was like, "Ooh, I think this could be a problem." I was like, "I don't know." And then once everyone hit it and everyone showed up that first day, it was like, "Holy crap, this is super cool!" And um, just a testament to their creativity and and what they had up in their brains. And never had the chance to put on snow before. so
0: uh, is everyone an artist that came to dig Do you, like can they all draw? Um,
3: I would say some of them would not consider themselves artists, but they for sure. Every single one of them is an artist, Um, whether pen to paper or snow sculpture. um, They for sure are all artists.
1: A rake is just a larger pen if you really look at it that way.
3: (laughs) Yeah, totally. I think something that we always love to throw on our social media channels, too, is when people like geek out and like we'll make grids in the snow when they're raking one night or like do basically like a Zen garden in the snow and we'll snap a photo. And I swear it's like some of the most liked posts of our entire um, history on Trollhagen's Instagram is those photos. <laughs> oh,
0: I love that.
1: <laughs> so I I'm fascinated by like um we've already discussed East Coast, Colorado, Midwest. Um, what is probably your favorite thing about the the flexibility? Um, or but yet like what was the aha moment that made you realize that there was flexibility um, when you came to Trollhagen?
3: Um, I guess just the size. Like when people look at the troll Instagram and watch all these videos who've never physically been to troll me included. Like when you show up there, you're like, Oh man, this place is like, it's, that's it. That's 280 feet of vertical. Like we have 82 acres. Um, when I'm throwing an event, I can just walk stuff down to the bottom of like the park. And it's, it's really great. Like everything is just the proximity to make things happen is just so easy. Our team is really small. We work, crazy hours, but we're also a family. Um, and there's no intensive waiting time to make things happen. Like if you have an idea, you can make it happen that day because we're such a small tight knit mom and pop ski Um, and that was something I had never experienced. Um, since growing up, I was basically raised at Thunder Ridge ski area. I was a lifty there all through high school. My dad was a ski patroller and ran the snowboard instruction department there. And it was like the same kind of feeling. So for me at Troll, it's kind of like going home. Um, but my time out in Colorado when I was in college there, like, you know, thinking about how to run an event, um, when the lodge is like literally a mile from that terrain park. And then you go like, I don't even know how you do that. (laughs) Um, and then, you know, as a director of Wendell's for many years, like hood is just a, a massive animal in itself. Um, so to be a troll and just like have everything just right there, just out your window, um, it makes anything seem possible. Um, and from what I've experienced, that's the truth. (laughs) Awesome
1: that's awesome. I, um, yeah, I can totally see how it lines up coming from someone who just got lost going to the wrong peak the other day. Um, like yeah, it makes yeah. all the sense in the world of being able to run <laughs> an event where everyone can meet at the bottom. Um, yeah, it doesn't make you lost at lion's head or golden peak at all. Um, I literally yeah, exactly. was just a victim of buses. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what is, what is their summer operation look like? I'm just randomly wondering virtual hogging. Yeah. Yeah.
3: So we have a small summer operation financially. We, fully rely on winter um, summertime. We do some private events. We have weddings. Um, we have um, a zip line course and um, a challenge course. So we kind of tell people to visualize it's like the Ewok village meets um, American Ninja warrior in the sky. So it's like um, a pretty lengthy um, course where you're like, you have some zip lines and then you also have like tires and you're jumping on things and you're kind of um, suspended um, the entirety of the time. So it's, it's about seven years old. Um, whereas the ski area is now 72 years old. So that's amazing. Yeah. So a pretty new addition to the history of Trollhagen for sure.
0: Have you ever seen a person dress up as a troll, Mary, another person dressed up, dressed up as a troll? (laughs) Not yet,
3: but I mean, I don't think that's out of the question at all.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Now, are you working events year-round there? Um, like, what does your Midwest experience currently look like?
3: Yeah, I am a year-round salaried employee at Trollhagen. So I take care of um, everything. <laughs> I do all graphic design, um, all communication, email, website, um, all signage, um, all events, um, social media, um, for much everything. <laughs> so... Um, summer for us is definitely a little mellower, like in the winter, I work seven days a week. Um, and that's just kind of how life is, um, in the summertime, we're a little more like, all right, it's Monday through Friday, but it's definitely not as real time as the winter. Like so much is happening real time as far as events and pros visiting and things like that. Our social media is way less intensive for me in the summer.
0: What are your favorite apps to use for, for your job? Like, are you a Photoshop person? Are you a Final Cut person? Yeah. um,
3: I am extremely utilitarian um, with videos. I also film a lot of the videos. (laughs) So um, I use iMovie um, for our little production videos. And then I also have a marketing budget where I'll pay some people to do like the train park focus videos, but the cool thing about the Trollhagen brand is that we are like this kitschy, like dad cam kind of place. Like everyone loves us because we're so weird and down to earth. So like I don't need to do anything. I'm not doing like flyover drone, like slow motion sequences because it doesn't fit our brand. So um iMovie is what I use for editing. And then I have literally Illustrator and Photoshop and and InDesign open all day, every day.
1: <laughs> iMovie is very underrated, like extremely underrated. Um, it's like so
3: I, great! <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, think, I think as long as the end consumer is enjoying the experience, and um, yeah, dad cam is very much trending in snowboarding. Like it, it doesn't matter. It's like the camera you have now.
3: Yes! Um, I say whatever camera you have is the best camera available. It's just, I, I shoot almost everything for social media on my phone um in my personal life um i have a pretty extensive collection of old plastic cameras um and i'll shoot 35 millimeter and then i'll like have film stacked from like a year and a half ago and i'll send it out and i'll be like oh i forgot about that <laughs> um but yeah i i'm uh i have a dslr at troll and i never use it
1: <laughs> all right fun question liz needs to know where do you stand on tiktok
0: Oh no! (laughs) I do need to know.
1: (laughs) We were literally just having this debate. (laughs) I don't worry about what side you take.
3: I don't need it for Trollhagen's brand, and I definitely don't need it for my life. (laughs) Um, I think there's um, a lot of uses for it by companies, and I just haven't been convinced that troll needs to be that way with our current brand voice. Like I think we are kind of um, like clunky and funny. And I don't know that that like needs to be on TikTok. Right
1: now, now describe what type of clunky and funny you're going for here with this visual. Um,
3: so our trolls, I don't know if you guys have ever watched our videos, but like yeah. we are big fans of cheesy um, punny stuff. Um, and all of that is like, like in iMovie I'm like what transition would a 65 year old like scout leader use for their at home video and then I'll pick that one. <laughs> you know like um, I'm just trying to make people laugh um, which you can absolutely do on TikTok um, but I'm going to try and stay off that uh, as long as humanly possible <laughs>
1: alright <laughs> Uh, that answer could have been couldn't have been more perfect.
0: <laughs> Sorry, Liz. <laughs> hey, I, I'm I don't know if you know this, but my nickname is Grandma because I don't oh. understand these things. So you know, I get told like I I need to focus on the TikTok, and I'm like, uh, secret panic is going over me. But I, know.
3: <laughs> I I think there's I'm sure there's great things about it um i just chalk it up to i don't have enough time but <laughs> like if i had to manage facebook and twitter and instagram and our website and tiktok i like for sure need an assistant i already do yeah. but like that
0: yeah you do you already do
3: need an, an assistant. <laughs> assistant that knows what the hell is going on cuz i don't want to learn <laughs> yeah so-
1: what type I'm of production my name you? is
3: Marsha. how many 33 year old Marshas do you know zero. <laughs> i don't know any Marshas at all M- normally it's like oh that's my great aunt's name and i'm like i know
2: i've had a lot being a mary too
3: yeah totally
2: <laughs> um so after you were in oregon you kind of had a, a time where you were traveling around in your van before you um went Wisconsin.
3: Um, That is correct. Was it
2: a hard transition from like van life, always traveling to being in the same spot?
3: Um, It hasn't been the easiest. However, um, buying a house made it a lot easier um, because I was able to make this little place exactly what I wanted it to be. Um, I think the transition from van life to renting was super hard. Cause I was like, damn, I just had all of this freedom and all of this wonderful creative vision. And now I have this rental place that I can't like hammer a hole into the wall. Damn it. Um, so, um, yeah, van life, um, was really, really fun. And, um, I, I'm not like a super astrological nerd, but I am a Gemini and I definitely like ping pong back and forth from the things that I want in my life. And, When I was in a van, I loved it, but then all of a sudden I wanted stability and I wanted to have, um, to feel grounded. And now that I'm in a house, especially with the pandemic, I'm like, holy shit, I need to get out of America and for like a month. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I always, I always want what I uh, don't have. The other thing (laughs) in terms of travel and exploration.
1: What kind of Um, van was it?
3: So, um, Vanna Black was a Nissan NV200. Um, I bought her brand new with 26 miles on it. Um, I was, I guess, a bit ahead of the social media craze of van life, which is why I was able to sell my van for so much money. Uh, (laughs) But I bought it in um, 2014, I think. Um, Yeah, I bought in 2014. I bought a brand new. 2015 Nissan. Um, and I did like the most responsible van lifer thing. I was like, well, I'm going to buy a brand new van instead of breaking down on the highway. So it came with a hundred thousand mile bumper to bumper warranty, which I felt like really confident about having that security in case anything happened. Um, and I cut a hole in it like the day after I got it for my fan vent um and kitted it out. And my dad owned his own plumbing and heating company for years and years. So he helped with kind of like phase two of construction after some of the shit that I built did not hold up. <laughs> um, so um yeah, it was I bought it as um my frustration response to rising housing costs in Portland, Oregon. So I was in Oregon for a long time. And, um, right around that time I started looking at housing prices and I couldn't even afford it then. Um, and I was like, you know what, I'm at the point in my life where I want to own something. Um, my partner at the time, he, uh, was building skate parks for a living and he was extremely mobile. Um, he bought this little, 1972 aristocrat trailer. Um, so I I wanted something that I could go link up with them on projects, but still have my own space. So I um, left Wendell's and um, I was at a tech startup for a little while, which just wasn't the right fit for me. And I was like, you know what, I'm going full van. Um, so I joined <laughs> him on the road for um, a while and then kind of um, did my own thing after that relationship kind of came to an end. And had the van up until two years ago, I sold it. Um, which was like very emotional to sell that thing. Um, <laughs> um, but it had served its purpose and serves its chapter. Um, yeah. It was a super great little van. Highly recommend it. If you are a party of one, not if you are a party. Of two. <laughs> where was,
2: where was the, your favorite place you went?
3: Yeah. Um, I don't know that there's enough time for that. Um, I drove, I've, I've been really lucky to drive this country countless times. And I think it should be a requirement of every American to physically drive from one side to the other, to like fully understand what makes our country tick and like why we need to try and understand people a bit more. Um, I'd say some of my favorite moments, um, in the van were down in Mississippi. Um, I never really spent time in the South, um, and evergreen was building a skate park down there. And I just met some people and saw a little window into a lifestyle that I had never experienced, um, and sweat my face off in that van (laughs) all the time. (laughs) Um, and it was awesome. So, yeah, I would say, um, some some van life in the deep south was probably some of my favorite times.
2: That's awesome. And and you wrote a book because oh you're yeah, the yeah. I,
3: <laughs> Andy wrote a book. <laughs> you guys make me seem really cool. <laughs> no no no. I, I wrote a book. I mean, it's like it's I don't know. It's thirty something pages. Um, I wrote a lot of essays during that time of my life writing um, was definitely a form of therapy for me. It was helping me cope with situations. It was helping me make sense of a lot of situations. Um, and to kind of put some finality to that part of my life, I was like, I'm going to put all of this down into a book so that I can look back on it and also move forward. Um, and so it was drawings and photos and essays kind of from that, um, chapter of my life where I was um solo for the first time in a long time um had left the snowboard industry and um was just traveling and yeah I I guess I wrote a book book about
0: it (laughs) (laughs) how would um can we still find this book no I
3: think you can um I I mean nothing on the internet disappears right that's the whole that's the whole point (laughs) um I think it's available still if you search my name um I think it's on a website called blurb, B-L-U-R-B, blurb.com. Um, they are a really cool website where you can self-publish books. Um, you can have it live there where people buy them from the website. Um, I personally did two different um, editions of the book. So I got it printed twice um, for two separate sales, but I believe it is still available. I should look into that. <laughs> uh,
1: right on, right on. Yeah. It's currently twenty one twenty eight on blurb.com.
3: Yeah, I don't know where that money goes because it's definitely I haven't seen any of it, but (laughs) Uh, there you go, you can buy it.
1: I'm I'm probably buying it after this.
0: Yeah, yeah. Is this um, made to order? Like, do they put it together? Or or it's ready?
3: Yeah. Um, I ordered. I want to say I. I think there's 50 books in the world from the two uh, editions that I made. Um, And I think they are cheaper when you purchase them yourself. Um, And then I think like this instance, if it's a one-off purchase, I think they are covering their costs as well. And, um, but yeah, I think it like actually has a barcode as like a, which means maybe it's in the library of Congress. Is
0: that a thing? Yeah. (laughs) Also you can make your book an NFT
1: no 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 liz this is too much we just did tiktok like this is way too I much i was just gonna Put say up.
3: i have not even talked about grandma i'm like i still this is like i've had conversations about bitcoin and i still don't get it and i'm like so you're
0: mining
3: for so yeah i just
0: you've come we'll to the, the right place <laughs> You're among Yari, friends. Yari is our creative director, but he's also like, he tells us about anything that we need. Like you need to learn about things like this. and thank goodness he does. Because like, then I'll, I'll do something. Like I had to work a whole NFT event, like a whole giant party. And like, if he hadn't have schooled me on what they were, I would have like been talking to the most famous NFTs in the world. Like, mm, what's your name? Uh, that would <laughs> have been so cool though. Knock them down <laughs> a pig. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, I still, I still did it wrong. Don't worry. Perfect.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I I think for take the rake, the second year it runs, we can have discussions about NFTs, but I think TikTok's like more than enough. And plus like, I'm way too enamored by like the keywords chosen for this book as I look at it right now. Like, what
3: did I choose? um,
1: This is like
3: four years, five years ago.
1: So you have van life and then van life, but one is two words. The other is one word, which is amazing to me. Like I love the search optimization. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) wanderlust That's and then weird. camp vibes and camp vibes you did the same thing followed by india morocco america road trip skateboarding and adventure mobile
3: yeah pretty much that pretty describes solid my life yeah <laughs> yeah during that time i was um i was in india for a month i went and got my yoga certification there um like fully drank the kool-aid and then um i did kind of like a work trade. I was in Morocco for two months in Casablanca. I was doing graphic design for this yoga website and then also teaching at their studio. Um, And then I did that um, in Colombia for a little bit too, after that book came out. So um, yoga has definitely brought me a lot of places too. I have been slacking on my yoga um, as a Wisconsinite. Um, Sorry, guru. (laughs) (laughs) My bad.
0: Yeah, when I was internet stalking you, I saw lots of yoga posts on your old um your old job like and I couldn't figure out like is it a surf shop? Is it a skate shop? Is it a yoga place? Yeah, um so Cal Surf
3: um everyone needs to go to Cal Surf. Um super amazing skate and snow shop in Minneapolis in the Uptown neighborhood. Um a lot of our friends um like grew up there and are also team riders. Um so my good friends, um, Jake Durham and Dan Liedall are how I met my partner, um, booty. And yeah, where's booty. Um, he's currently (laughs) making snow. We are on flip-flop schedules. We like, we have 24 hour coverage of Trollhagen, by the way. But um,
0: <laughs> never not
3: trolling, never not trolling. So um, he rides for that shop. And um, when I moved here, I was like, man, there's like no men in any of these yoga classes like at all. Like coming from Portland, um, I was kind of flabbergasted by that. And I started talking to a bunch of the, like the skate and snow boys. And I'm like, what's up? And they were like, well, yoga's like for girls. And I was like, what <laughs> <laughs> um, and I realized that this like Lululemon core power view of yoga kind of like existed in the Midwest, especially among that community. Um, so I was like, all right, what if I taught a yoga class that was like geared towards men and put it out a safe space like Cal? So Cal surf always hosts like all the video premieres and lots of different parties. Um, and they have this great upstairs space. And I asked Scott, um, the owner of CalSurf, I was like, what do you think? And he was like, holy shit, yes. <laughs> so we made it donation-based yoga. Um, and it was so awesome. I played like Wu-Tang like, and like <laughs> metal music. Um, and, you know, a bunch of them like showed up stoned and laughed the whole time and like talked the whole time. <laughs> and I was like, that's fine. Like whatever is your entry point into better physical and mental health like sure like I don't care like rip farts and show <laughs> <off>. like whatever <laughs> um so it just became like this thing and then it grew and it grew and then when I moved up to troll they were all like you're not gonna still do yoga at Cal and I was like well it's like an hour drive um so no <laughs> they were like what are we gonna do and I was like you can like keep going to yoga elsewhere like that's the idea or do it at home like now that you've started you don't have to stop just because I left <laughs> so um yoga at Cal was um hysterical full of laughter um and made some wonderful young adult men aware of their bodies in a way that they had never been before <laughs> <I'm just
0: kidding. laughs>
3: yeah. So great, yeah. <laughs> Blessed hearts. I
1: I love that you were able to fuse it together. Um, and the young men aware from their bodies comment. I'm just going to behave on, but like, um, I'm curious. So like, you go into van life, um, and then you eventually end up back in snowboarding. Like, what part of it did you miss the most? Like, what made you go okay, uh, Norwegian trollhog in his life? I need to get back I, to this.
3: You know, I. After Wendell's, I kind of ran away screaming from snowboarding. I, I had had kind of a tough exit. Um, There's a reason that there's a revolving door on the snowboard camps is because they just like suck every morsel of energy and out of you. Um, And, you know, you don't get paid. (laughs) So like the passion only lasts so long. Um, And I went um, and I was like, you know, I, I can just go do any job like that's fine. I'll just go do a job and then I can talk about what I'm passionate about after that job ends. Um, and so I was doing that for a while. I was, um, my background has always been in marketing and events. So I was doing some field marketing contracts for a couple different companies um, while in Minnesota. And I just was, I was so bored. I, I didn't care about what I was talking about um in a way that I did with snowboarding and I I kept um I've always had this like sense of imposter syndrome where like I'm not a super talented snowboarder by any means and like a lot of days I'm in the office and like I don't get on snow for five or six days at a time and and that happened to me at Wendell's too where I would be in the office you know running the show and then when I did end up on hill it was like this spectacle like oh Marsha's out of the office so As someone who's been in the background, I've always like struggled with that. Um, Being in the forefront, always when I am on a snowboard, it's like, oh, she's out. (laughs) Is she what is she doing? (laughs) Um, So getting back into snowboarding, I was like a little little hesitant about it. And then. Like you guys have stalked me. I like started giving myself a little more credit for what I've done. And I'm like, why am I denying being involved in this industry? Like I've, I've put in so many years, like, I love it. I know what I'm talking about. Like, stop fighting it. Like, I yeah, like, let's go, let's keep doing this. <laughs> and So um, David stepped down and it was the perfect timing. It was just one of those like aha moments and right place, right time um and everything about it just felt right and I was like the unicorn in the area that had like all these skills that were needed for this job and it just it made sense um and I'm happy to be back I took like a little bit of a hiatus I kind of fell in love with skateboarding a lot more than snowboarding uh, <laughs> and I worked for skate like a girl for a little while um and vowed to like never touch a snowboard again And yeah didn't last long
1: <laughs> bindings are like training wheels anyways. So like, yeah, skateboarding's yeah. like a thousand times more hard. So it
3: is. Yeah. Um, and I think that was something too, was like, I've been on a snowboard since I was 11 and I started skateboarding when I was like 24. So every tiny new thing was like this massive victory, which I had kind of lost in snowboarding. So um, just putting effort into some new activity that was still closely related was just really fun. Um, and I still love skateboarding. We built a mini ramp in our backyard. Um, and it's super awesome to be a big kid and spend money
1: on whatever you want to spend money on. <laughs>
0: yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> How big is the mini ramp?
3: Um, it is 16 feet wide. Um, it is four feet tall for eight feet of width. And then there's, um, a four foot escalation. Um, that rises up to five feet tall. So you have four feet and then um, a little four foot section of five feet. So um, it's the escalator ramp. Um, and once we get more money, we kind of want to keep and then bowl oh, it out. Rad, rad, <laughs> rad.
0: Is, do you have a friend making this? Yeah. So um, we
3: are very fortunate. Um, our friend Jay, who um, has worked with, Thrasher on lots of different events. He built the Hiawatha, which is um, a super cool um, indoor um, bowl. Plus, um, it's a, a like members only bowl. Um, there's probably like three different um, wooden bowls in Minneapolis that are the same kind of style, like key card only, um, like no shoebies allowed. Um, and um, they're super rad. You have the Hiawatha. Um, the burrito bowl and the blood bowl. Um, and like when you find an inn, it's like pretty sick to find someone who has like, who's a key holder. Um, so we got to know Jay pretty well. And I was like, Hey, like, I know you're not really building mini ramps that much anymore, but like, this is the spot, like booty's super down to help. Like I'm down to help. Like I'll get everything you need. And he was like, all right, fine. So um, very thankful to him. Um, and he helped us majorly with that build because if we had built it, it would have taken us fucking three months. (laughs) And with him, it was a week, you know? Um, and we were able to enjoy it all summer, which was awesome.
0: You're the coolest. Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) Oh yeah. This, you know, famous guy. He just built our, yeah. Um, do you have a booty playlist? Like of all songs that are booty dude,
3: he has a lot. He has so many, um, theme songs. It's amazing. Um, the best one is miss new booty. When we started dating
1: literally was singing that in yeah. my head.
3: <laughs> what about, what about? Fruit. It's really great. <laughs> um, he, I mean, he has a lot of theme songs. Most of them have nothing to do with booties. They have, they're like Jimmy Buffett and John Prine. Um, he's, he's an old soul. We're both old souls that found each other, which is great up until a couple days ago. Um, he is held strong on a flip phone. Um, oh. and finally,
1: um, he has
3: joined the 21st
1: century and got, I heard a rumor. You have to pay more to have a flip phone. Is that true? It is true.
3: <laughs> <laughs> so we went to the Apple store and they were like, we can't activate your phone. And he was like fuming. Cause he's like, you know, been working like 80 hour work week snowmaking and we're like i was like i'll bring you to the apple store it's gonna be fine and they're like yeah like we can't activate it there's something wrong so finally he called verizon and they were like oh yeah your plan like doesn't make sense with this phone and they're like yeah you're paying more for to keep 3g basically
0: (laughs) oh my goodness that's hilarious
3: now he is an iphone user and the world is shook um and they're like this is it this is
0: the sign of the apocalypse oh man you're gonna have such good snow making videos
3: i know (laughs) just being able to send him a gif like he couldn't get emojis like and like it's so fascinating (laughs) like (laughs) yeah, that's awesome um
0: okay so we kind of have to wrap up let's have any extra questions always do ask pocket snacks what's what's your go-to what are you munching on on the chairlift on the chairlift
3: um i don't have snacks because the chairlift is so close i just go inside you're lifting you're yeah, like doing you would work <laughs> get cheese curds and then run back it's like man <laughs> cheese you guys, curds. gotta come to the midwest <laughs> proximity is amazing everything is so much easier <laughs>
2: Has your consumption of cheese increased since you've moved to the Midwest?
3: Yeah. um, I went vegan for a year, which was like a joke. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Cheese and fireworks. Wisconsin loves both of those things very much. So, yeah.
1: And ranch.
0: And ranch. Cheese, fireworks, and ranch. So funny. (laughs) Um, Thank you. Thank you so much uh thank you guys thank you i want to come visit
1: that part of the midwest now
0: me too i really like how you said you know you just need to think about things outside of the box and figure out like what you can do and do this on your own that's like a really like all aspects of life you know um if we want this world to change we can't just continue to do the same things and think it's going to change
3: Yeah. And if we're inspired by someone else, I mean, imitation is the sincerest form of flattery. And um, yeah, it should not be a one and done idea to have women doing cool things. Hopefully that is replicated many times over.
0: (laughs) I love it. I did want to let you give a shout out to the people that made you love snow um, and the coolest hipsters of all time. Or I don't know if I can call them hipsters. (laughs)
3: Um, Yeah, I mean, obvious thanks to my parents for putting me on skis at the age of six um, and my sister for keeping that inspiration going. Um, Everyone that has been a part of my journey from Boulder Freeride to Windells to Skate Like a Girl, to Troll. um, I love all of you. Thank you so much.
1: Thanks for checking in to Working for That Snow podcast.
0: I'm Mary. You can find me on Instagram at PowderMT. And I'm Grandma, and you can find me at Grandma Samomo on the Instagram.
1: And I'm Yuri. You can find me on the internet with the handle at stokedonice.
0: You can find Working For That Snow on the Instagram under Working For That Snow. No G. The Working For That Snow podcast is available on all streaming platforms. Please subscribe, rate, and share with the whole universe. That was a good goodbye.